say, well, I don't like Christmas too much because it brings back painful memories, but we're going to deal with some of that tonight. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, what would it be like if every day was Christmas? Amen. Well, amen. All right. God bless you. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. I think tonight, at the beginning of what I want to share with you tonight, I think it's very important for us to understand that the Pharisees said of Jesus that only God could forgive sins. Somebody say, only God can forgive sins. Say it again, only God can forgive sins. This says something very important to us, and I know you say, well... Uh, you, know, you know, Jesus was claiming to be God and he forgave a man his sins. And when he healed him, uh, he told him his sins were forgiven and the Pharisees had issue with that. And they said, well, only God can do it. Well, we know who Jesus is, so we're not going to take a lot of time tonight to talk about the identity of Jesus Christ and him being God in the flesh. But we know that Jesus had the power to forgive sins. Uh, so there, there, this is the one thing... That only God can do for us. Only God can do that for us. Uh, the doctor can help you in some ways. They are capable of physically repairing your body or giving your body or practicing on your body to help your body heal itself. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, Jesus did not come to heal you of every sickness. In fact, I draw people's attention to Scripture all the time when they say, well, you know, if he did it for one, he should do it for others. And I say, well, he didn't do that when he was here in the flesh. I mean, the Bible says he walked into a pool called Siloam and there were five porches full of sick people and he spoke to one fella. I wonder how many people were clamoring for his attention that day. He spoke to one guy. I wonder how many people were buried close to Lazarus' tomb. He didn't, he didn't go into the graveyard and say, okay, I'm going to raise everybody up. Somebody's grandma was still in the tomb after Lazarus was loosed. There are people that probably went home and said, well, he did it for Lazarus. Why didn't he do it for Papa? Same stuff we're hearing today fact of the matter is Jesus didn't come to make sure we had a happy life. He did not come for us to be rich or for us to never have pain. Jesus does what only God can do and that's forgive us. So his role as savior is more important than anything else. In fact, Jesus said it when disciples were excited about uh, the gifts of the Spirit operating. Jesus said, now wait a minute, uh, don't rejoice in this only. How many know we're supposed to rejoice? And this is not something we pray about. Well, I wonder if the Lord wants me to rejoice tonight or if I get a miracle, I rejoice. The Bible says it's the will of God that we rejoice evermore. Okay, so maybe we're just obstinate and don't want to do the will of God. I'm not sure what it is. But anyway, uh, turn to your neighbor and tell him you're, the Lord wants you to rejoice tonight. <laughs> That's good for Joyce to hear tonight. Rejoice tonight. 
Jesus told his disciples, he said, don't rejoice in that devils are subject to you through my name. He said, rejoice in this. What is it? That your names have been written in the Lamb's book of life. Now that is the source. That's the source of our joy. The source of our joy is not all the money in the world to buy anything we want. That joy is fleeting. The joy that the Lord wants us to have is not based on a a pain-free life or a life that doesn't battle disease or God coming down and correcting your ignorant spouse. Notice I didn't say husband or wife. Well, I'm not sure how wise that is, just maybe scared. But, but the, the Lord wants us to understand that a life has a way of pulling uh, uh, at our emotions. And if we're not careful, if we, if we only see the temporal, we have a tendency to get discouraged. In fact, let me help you with something else. The Bible says that the whole world groans for redemption. Do you realize the earth is in a state that it was not created to be in? That the reason we're having the weather that we're having and the tornadoes and the hurricanes and earthquakes, do you realize what's going on? The earth is groaning. And the Bible says it's groaning for something. It's groaning to be redeemed. It will be redeemed. Oh, yes, it will. (laughs) So... Uh, this people say, well, it's the judgment of God. Or it's said, no, the whole world is groaning for redemption. The Bible also tells us that our bodies are groaning for the same redemption. So uh, if we think we're going to be happy because we go camping for a week, that's fleeting. If we're happy because, what well, I don't have any pain for a while, that's fleeting. Our bodies are going to battle pain and disease and ultimately battle with death. Is anybody hearing me tonight? But the rejoicing that the Lord wants us to have has to be deeper than all of that. Somebody say amen. So clap your hands under the Lord if you want to, if you want to live that way. Okay. I want to live that way. I want to live that way. I want to live that way. Imagine for a minute that you have a bank executor who who calls you and says, you've come into a very large sum of money that one of your ancestors has, has left you and you were not aware of it. And the bank executor, how many would anxiously, you'd want to know how much they left you? All right, here we go. Listen close. This, this really has your attention. The bank executor says, there's one of your family uh, ancestors that we've traced it and you're the, one of the surviving descendants and they left a rather large sum of money and, and uh, we are going to deposit $86,400 into your account every day. I know, you're thinking right now, my troubles are over. My troubles are over. You could come to church then and be happy, couldn't you? If, if the bank executor says, I'm giving you $86,400 every day for the rest of your life. I would, 
I would encourage you to do a cursory study since now God does not wink at ignorance. <laughs> there was a time he did, but that excuse is no longer valid. In other words, you're, you're two clicks away from finding out what happens to people that win the lottery. Find out for yourself. Go on, the, go on the internet and find out what the end result of everybody that wins those big mega lotteries. Yeah, you know what happens to them. You know what they do? They treat all that money just like they treated the little money that they had. Because the $100 was never enough, the $100 million is never enough. Does it bring them happiness? Well, find out for yourself. Check it out. Run the statistics. Find out if money brings people happiness. Let's talk about, I think that might even be more than Joyce makes. $86,400 a day. I don't know if you can hang that much wallpaper. Hey, but think about it, Brother Mike. Think about this now. What if the same bank exec, you're so excited, you start yelling and screaming, you drop the phone and do a little dance, and then you come back to the phone and you're all out of breath, and he said, oh, there's one catch. At the end of the day, you have, your bank balance goes to zero. Now, what would you do, Betty, with $86,400 if every day you knew what you didn't spend, you would lose? What would you do? You'd make your best effort to spend $86,400. Some of you would probably spend more than that because you're doing with what you have now. <laughs> Uh-oh. See, this is what the this is the axiom that Jesus wants you to understand that how you treat the little you have is exactly how you're going to treat the big that you have. And if you can't handle the little, you can't handle the big. So I know some of you would treat the 86,000 just like you treat the 1,000. You'd go over it. Uh-oh. But one thing's for sure. Uh, I'd get as close to settling that account as I could. Well, I know some people that you might could help out. I mean, in a couple of days, you could pay off the gymnasium. In one day, you could, I mean, Christy probably would be pretty happy with just one day of your time and money. But I want you to think about this. Every morning... God deposits 86,400 seconds into your life. And every day, the account goes to zero. It depends on you how you spend it. Now, should I spend life moping, griping, complaining, depressed, Discouraged. Well, there's some people that choose to live that way because things don't work out the way they planned. How many have found out that things don't work out the way you've planned? If, if that has occurred to you, would you stand to your feet? Stand up. If you've realized that things have not worked out the way you planned, stand up. Stand up. Now I want you to look around. 
now we're fixing to graduate. Okay, you can sit back now. I want you to notice that everybody in this room, I think, that could stood up. Here, here, I'm going to serve you notice today. I don't know what your plans are for next week or next year or even retirement, but I want to tell you right now, they're not going to work out the way you planned. <laughs> it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. So your expectations about your nice little put together world and the nice little miniature village on your mantle and you walking down the snow covered street all happy, it's not going to happen. You're going to get a phone call that shocks you. Your nice little put together world is going to get blown up. Everybody hear me? Oh, pastor, give me some good news. <laughs> Listen, if your joy is based on things of this world, it is only going to last for a moment. That's why Paul said to the church at Ephesus, see that you walk wisely, not as fools. Don't walk as a fool, wasting your time. Redeem the time because the days are evil. Well, clap your hands unto the Lord. So here's what happens usually. Here's what happens usually. We usually, now I've realized in eight weeks of split sessions that I made a lot of people happy when I dismissed right at eight. Okay, so we got to build in time for you to pray and shout and run the aisles and snot and cry at the altar. So if you get really excited here in the next few minutes, we could be getting out. So turn to your neighbor and tell him it has nothing to do with how many closings he has. Turn to him, tell him that. Tell him it all depends on me. Oh, well, anyway. We tend to measure life in high times, holidays, vacations. Oh, I can't wait to get to Florida. I think I heard an amen. I can't wait for that big trip we're going to take or that special occasion. And we call them the times of our lives. And then you get there. And after about two days, you're ready to pull the hair out of the person you're there with. In reality, most of life is occupied not in high days. Notice every day's not a birthday. Every day's not a vacation. Every day's not Christmas. Most days of your lives are routine, very ordinary. Get up. Go to work, do what you're responsible for, come home, do what you're responsible for, go to bed. Wake up and think, my, here we go. I can't wait till next month I get on that trip. But the scripture tries to tell us that even ordinary routine days are special when we know the Lord. Psalms 118 verse 24. This is what the praise team was singing about. This is the day which the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. What does that mean? I don't have yesterday. It's gone. I'm not promised tomorrow. This is the day that God has given me. 
This is the 86,400 seconds that God has deposited in my account. I am not going to waste one minute of them. Oh, come on, clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. The psalmist basically is saying there needs to be rejoicing and gladness in every day. Why would that be great to have that kind of life? That every day there's something to rejoice about. I mean, there are times, I just want to be uh, just, just blatantly open with you tonight. There are times where I have to tell myself, somebody's got it worse off than you do. Oh, yeah, you want to stick your lip out and tell me how bad it is. You know, those Israelites in, in the wilderness, I mean, think about them. We're so much like them. A pillar of cloud shading them all day. A fire to warm them every night. They didn't even have to go fire, find firewood. They didn't have to carry around kindling. They were warmed every night. They didn't have to have any lamps. That fire lit their camp up and gave them warmth in those desert nights. Their shoes grew on their feet. Their clothes never wore out. They had food every day. They had all the water they could drink. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? And still it wasn't enough, was it? Just like you and just like me. All the blessings God has given me, and it's still not enough. I go through life upset, depressed. <laughs> Lord, help me to understand that you want every day to be an opportunity to rejoice. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say amen. amen. I believe it's very important. The psalmist wrote that we're supposed to, there's supposed to be a joy and a purpose in every day. Now, I want to move very quickly. I think it's very important uh, that we be faithful in all times. Amen. That, the, that the Sunday before my father died, I, I was rejoicing. And I should be rejoicing the Sunday after my father died. Why? Not because things didn't turn out like I planned. No, but God is still the same yesterday. To, now, we quote that, but we need to understand the relevancy of that truth to us. If Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then the week before my tragedy, I was saved, and I'm still just as saved the week after. The week before the diagnosis, I'm just as saved a month later as I was before I knew there was anything wrong. No, you're not hearing me. See, the world understands people that are happy when things go their way. What the world does not understand is a faith that so invades people that it doesn't matter what's going on, they're rejoicing in the day that God has given them. You've given me an opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. That's what Psalms 118 really means. You've been given an opportunity. It is what you make of it. Your 86,400 seconds are an opportunity. Do you know the word for opportunity? The Latin word is opportunitus. 
It means, it means before, it means a port or a harbor. The, the, the breakdown of the word op means before and portus means a port. So the word opportunity comes from a root word that literally means you are before a harbor. In other words, something is awaiting you if you'll, if you'll move into the harbor. You are at an opportunity. You are at a juncture. You, and every day is an opportunity. You are before. Now you can turn it into a bleak, dark, terrible. So let's, let's, let's look at this. Ephesians 5, 16. Let's look at this. If the, just read it out loud with me. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Say it again. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. The first step in us in taking this opportunity is to redeem the time. The first step, everybody say, is to redeem the time. The Greek word Paul uses for redeeming is that uh, Blake could probably pronounce it. I can't, but it, it literally means to purchase or to buy up. It means to grab it, to purchase it. It's a Black Friday term. Think about Black Friday. I went into a Walmart. Uh, I, I was, uh, I went into a Walmart. You know, they, they, on, a, on a Thursday they were getting ready to close uh, on Thursday night, Thanksgiving night, and and I was in a Walmart Thursday afternoon, and they were actually empty, moving the shelf, moving the shelf. They were opening the aisles. The aisles looked like they're about as wide as this building. They were moving stuff out of the way. They had stuff piled up. I went down one aisle and couldn't get out. I didn't know how, you know, it was like a maze trying to get around the store because they're getting ready for Black Friday. How many's ever got in a fight on Black Friday? Come on. No, maybe. Oh, Tracy, how, why am I not shocked? <laughs> what? How do you get in a fight on Black Friday? How does that happen? You know, do you just try to get first in the store? It's usually probably because you both grab the same thing. The last rubber ducky. Bless God, this rubber ducky was $10, now it's $1. It's mine and I'm willing to bust your chops over it. I've grabbed the last, listen, redeeming the time literally means grab it, get, uh, redeem it, buy it, go, go for it. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, go for it. Listen, this is, this is really what it means to redeem the time. The first step is really buying back. Everybody say time. Now, there's two words for time. There's chronos, which means time in a linear fashion, but that's not the word here. It's kateros, if that's the way it's pronounced. And that, that literally means a strategic moment. God has given you, listen to me now, listen, listen, hey. God has given you a strategic moment every day you live. Now, if you turn it into nothing, that's what you've turned it into. Somebody say amen. The Lord strategically deploys you in your family, in your workplace, in your community. You are where you are for a reason. Tomorrow when you wake up, you will be standing before a port. It depends on what you do with it. Somebody say amen. 
And and I think it's very important that we do what God wants us to do. Luke chapter four, verse 18. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blinds, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Listen, you know why Jesus was not distracted is because he knew what opportunity was ahead of him. I'm not gonna waste my time with frivolous things. I'm going to be about my father's business. In fact, in Ephesians 5, verse 15 and 16 that we read, do you want to know what verse 17 says when it says redeeming the time because the days are evil? The very next verse, Ephesians 5, 17 says, wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You know what? I know, I know this because I know the Lord well enough to know that the Lord wants me to be satisfied with what I have. Uh-oh. I, that needs to settle in on you because there's some people that are not satisfied at all with what they have. The Lord wants me to be content at whatever state I find myself whether I be in the MRI machine or I have the little dunce cap on in my 55th birthday party. I need to be just as content at my own birthday party as I am in the MRI machine. Have you you done any study on what stress does to your body? Why are God's people stressed? Why are we anxious? Why do we have cares of life eating us up? Because the Bible tells us what to do with that. Well, hopefully you're not getting convicted now or distracted. The Bible tells us what to do with our care, our anxiety. It tells us what to do with it. And if I don't do that, the, the 86,400 seconds that I have today, I can spend them in anxious fear or I can spend them in simple trust. It's that simple. I choose the way I'm going to enter this harbor. Am I okay? Now, Paul says we are to redeem the time, verse 16. If they get Ephesians 5, 16, let's go back to that. There's a statement. Everybody say, because the days are evil. I don't need to do any part of this lesson tonight on how evil the days are. How many know we're in evil days? But Paul says in verse 15, we should walk carefully and not as fools. We should not walk carelessly. We should should walk watchful. We should walk attentive. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's very important you pay attention. Watchful. Everybody say watchful. Now Satan wants us to get distracted with all kind of other things. But Paul said be watchful. Every opportunity requires that you be tuned in to the spirit of God. Don't walk as fools that just think you go to work because you want a paycheck. Know that God has an opportunity today for you. Everybody okay? Yeah. So... How do we live that way? Uh, we need to walk watchful, knowing the days are evil. 
Well, he mentions it in verse 18. If we kept reading tonight, we've, we talked about walking, uh, redeeming the time for the days are evil, knowing the will of God. But then when we get down to verse 18, I'm closing, they can come to the music. Verse 18, look at this. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. How in the world can I redeem the time, grab a hold of every opportunity I have? What does being drunk have to do with taking advantage of the 86,000 plus seconds I have in my life today? What does wine have to do with me missing an opportunity? What does drunkenness have to do with me wasting my time? Paul said, oh, by the way, walk not as fools. Take advantage of every opportunity. Don't waste a day. And he says, oh, by the way, don't be drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. I want him to leave that up there. Paul goes on to tell us how to seize the opportunity, how to redeem the time. And the secret is, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, wait a minute. Maybe that means that if I wake up every day depressed and I can't find any opportunity in God's green earth, I'm saved, I'm filled with the Spirit, but yet I can't find any reason for my existence, then something's wrong with me. If life, to, if life for me is only what I eat, where I'm going, or what I put on, no wonder, no wonder I'm anxious. Paul said the answer to redeeming the time, the answer to gaining every opportunity, the answer to taking advantage of every 86,400 seconds you have tomorrow is to keep on being filled with the Holy Ghost. I want you to understand the magnitude of this. He's writing to the church at Ephesus. Everybody say the church at Ephesus. Ephesus was in an area called Asia Minor. And in Asia Minor, there was a cult called Dionysus, I guess is the best way to pronounce it. Uh, They worshiped the God of wine, the God of wine. It was very popular. And some Christians in Ephesus had been deceived by the popular belief that drunkenness was a door to enlightenment. You can never think so clear and be as inspired as when you're a little tipsy. And Ephesus was full of that. They worshiped the God of wine because when they drank to the point of the intoxication and drunkenness, and Paul said it, don't be drunk with wine because they were, there was a belief there. He didn't, just, he didn't just write that. Well, I think I'll say something about wine. No, there was something he's addressing. They thought the door to inspiration and enlightenment was to get drunk. So he tells the Ephesus church, it's much like, uh, it'd be, I guess the, the best connection, it would be the idea in the 60s and 70s that marijuana and LSD and other drugs were ways to expand the mind. Oh, yes, it did, didn't it? Yeah, it really expanded the mind. It expanded Charles Manson's. 
This is a way to really think like you've never thought before. But Paul says, instead of trying to expand your mind with drunkenness or intoxication or mind-altering substances, Paul tells the early church, he says, the way to understand what I'm saying is not through intoxication, but through the power of the Holy Ghost. In other words, Paul is saying the great mind expander is not LSD and not alcohol. The great mind expander is the Spirit of God. You'll see things you've never seen before. You'll come to know things you've never known before. It'll change the way you walk. Oh, come on, clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. Here's something else. I think it's very important for you tonight. Now, turn to your neighbor and tell him this is now for me. Uh, us, that, that our joy and our this is the day the Lord hath made didn't feel so good today. This doesn't feel like Christmas morning, Brother Gene. This is kind of, this is one of the, how many's ever lived the worst day of your life? You got a worst day. You got a day that you know is your worst day. Come on. Hey, let me tell you something. Something's going to trump it. Boy, I remember the worst day of my life was when my girlfriend broke up with me. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty relative, isn't it? Your worst day is when you lost your job. Then you find out there's a, there's a worse day than that. I don't know if we can even categorize all our worst days, but keep in mind, that I think it's very important that the Lord is trying to tell us something that we've got a day to rejoice in the Lord with. Now, I want to say something to you. Uh, I, I didn't recognize uh, how valuable it was to spend some time with the Lord every day because it alters your attitude. It changes the way you think. It changes what you feel about everything happening in your life. Keep in mind that the Ephesian church, everybody say Ephesus. These people Paul is writing to, they'd already received the Holy Ghost. And Paul says to keep on being filled. Don't, uh, drunkenness is not going to satisfy your anxiety. He says you need to keep on being filled. No. See, I'm preaching to people that there's a point in time where you receive the Holy Ghost. I believe that is the biggest detriment to New Testament believers that there ever has been because we make it a point of history. We say, that's when I got it. But what happened to every day being filled with the Holy Ghost? I'm talking about every day. I'm not talking about in 75. I'm talking about in 2017. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it doesn't concern you that you hadn't spoken in tongues in a while. It concerns me. Because the apostolic church, now we took our sign down and we hadn't put it back up. We're going to try to be what we are without telling everybody what we are. And before we put that sign back up, I think it'd be a good idea if we'd be apostolic. And don't you forget that the church you claim you came out of, every time they got together, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Every service. Read it for yourself.
Be filled. Turn it over. Tell them, be filled. I know you're full of it, but I wonder what you're full of. Paul's secret formula, keep on being filled. I want to say something to you right now, church. I want to say something. Just in case, if any of you are wondering now, I want to let you know how I feel about it. And the older I get, the easier that is to happen. I can tell you how I feel about it. Here's how I feel about it. Don't you ever let anybody intimidate you from going to the altar. Don't you ever let anybody intimidate you and you say, well, I don't know if I should go today. No, I want to be full of the Holy Ghost every day. And I know we're not always in church, but at least on Sunday and Wednesday, there ought to be a time everybody says, Lord, I want to be full of the Spirit today. I need your presence here. Come on, lift your hands right now. Just lift your hands and say, Lord, I want to live a life that's walking in the Spirit. Every day. Every day, every day, every day, not every day, every day. Well, well, pastor, I, I'm not going to marry him or not going to marry her until she gets the Holy Ghost. Uh, well, why don't we throw something else in the requirements? Let's say... Let's not marry him until he gives us six months of every day getting it. Because you know what we do? Oh, he got it. He got his ticket punched. He's ready. And he can sit on the pew dead as a hammer the rest of his life. No, no. That's not what I find in the book of Acts. Maybe that's why we're wasting 86,400 seconds. It's because we're not living filled with the Spirit. Realizing that today I've got an opportunity somewhere to make my life a joy. The Lord began to deal with me about this subject and I may preach on it further or more extensively later. But I want to close with this. The Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, and then again, I believe in the book of Isaiah, God speaks to, speaks to his people. And he says, there's a problem with my people. He said, uh, there's, there's things that are going on. And then he tells them why they're experiencing what they're experiencing. You've got symptoms. Let me tell you what the virus is. Here's the sickness. And the Lord says, You have forsaken the fountains of living water and you have dug yourself out a cistern that can hold no water. Now let's think about that for just a minute. Let's talk about what's the difference between a fountain of living water or a spring and a cistern. Now why, if you had a spring, would you dig a cistern? You know what cisterns are? They're to collect water. How do they collect water? How do they collect water? Rain, maybe a gutter, maybe some kind of drainage system. And that rainwater goes into a cistern. Now, I know you think, well, we go down the water plant and we fill up our cistern. Well, that's not what the biblical idea is. Obviously, this is a way to catch rainwater. 
Why would you try to catch rainwater if you had a spring on your property? Help me. I'm asking you. Just in case what? Just in case what? Yeah. The only reason you dig a cistern is because you're afraid the spring's going to run dry, aren't you? It's called a backup, right? And the Lord says, you've forsaken me for your backup. The real reason is, is because we don't believe the Lord can be our joy. In, in fact, let's say this baptistry is the spring. This baptistry is the spring. And I get a cup and I go to the spring and I get a cup. Now I could drink right here all day, but I get a cup and I say, I'm going to take this home with me. Ooh, why do I do that? Because I think I'm going to run out somehow. I've got to have extra. I've got to take a little home for me. And this is the way we experience the Holy Ghost if we're not careful. The Holy Ghost in our lives is really, if we're not careful as apostolics, it's nothing but a cistern. The Lord doesn't want us filled repeatedly because it's run out. Hello? We're not talking about the, the Holy Ghost evaporating. Well, I need to be filled because it evaporated. No, it's talking about the source. You need to stay at the fountain because your cistern will never have enough for you ever. Listen, I don't care how big the cistern is. It's never going to supply your need like the fountain of living water. <laughs> so no, you know what? Every day I need to take a drink from the fountain and I need to keep on drinking. I need to make sure that I live with that and I don't have any backup plan. And I don't say, well, when I get time, I'll spend time with the Lord. See, tomorrow God has deposited 86,400 seconds into my bank. And I want to be able to rejoice and be glad in it. I want to see the opportunity God has given me tomorrow. <laughs> I want to see it. I'll never forget Sister Kathy sitting back there and it just, the Lord just dropped it in my spirit. Her mother, Sister Kathy's mother, Sister Hazel Shalais, dear saint of God, on the last day of her life, she's sitting at the little table where the community, the community uh, where they give serve the elderly meals and Sister Hazel would go every day and sit down for lunch and they'd serve a meal to the elderly and she's in that she's in that environment and somebody told me a few hours later said you know we stopped at, at the table and said hello to Hazel and she looked right up at us she looked right at me and said did you know the Lord is coming this is a good day You know, if you're elderly, you can't teach in the school anymore. Your eyesight's getting bad. You don't walk as quick as you used to. Here you are sitting at a dinner table and you can say, you know what? This is a good day. The Lord's coming soon. Man, I want to have that kind of joy in my heart. 
I want to have that kind of peace in my heart. Come on, let's stand together and let's, let's love the Lord right now and let's just praise Him right now for His goodness. Oh Lord, help us to rejoice evermore. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus, Lord. We believe you right now to help us as your people, Lord, to understand that we can live above the shadows. We can live above despair. We can live above discouragement. Oh, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. Come on, would you lift up your praise to the Lord right now? Come on, would you lift up your praise unto the Lord right now? I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I praise you, Jesus. Come on. This entire auditorium is the altar tonight. Come on. Let's, let's, let's entertain the Lord right now. Jesus, have your way. Jesus, have your way. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Hey, hey, I want to tell you something. Let me help you with something now. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he's fixing to help me. Hey, listen, that job you hate, you're going to get 86,000 seconds of it tomorrow. That job you can't stand, guess what? It's waiting on you in the morning. You got an opportunity. You can either make it a good day. Are you, listen, I don't know if it's a testimony to your spiritual barometer or not, but Paul tells us the cure for that is being full of the Holy Ghost. So if you keep going to work and saying, man, I hate being here, maybe it's a sign that you need to pray through. Uh oh. There, now I know this is a shock to you, but there are times I've looked my two daughters in the eye. And I said, I want to tell you something. Those people in that church, they pay your light bill. They're the ones who put food on your table. They come and give to the Lord and guess what? They pay their preacher and the stuff you're eating is from those people. That You better get a fresh attitude. Well, maybe you don't like your job. Well, maybe you don't like to eat either. I don't believe that. I look, I'm looking at some of you. I know you like to eat. So you ought to wake up in the morning. Whoa, I get to go to work today. Because I'm going to want to go have a steak dinner this weekend. See, that's, the, that's what I'm talking about. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, you realize it's not mundane. It's not just the same old, same old. God is blessing me. God is helping me. God is providing for me. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord. Uh, I, I can't stand. You mean I got to mow again? Yeah, you better thank God you got a yard to mow. 
I'm tired of fixing up this house. You better thank God you got a roof over your head. See the Holy Ghost getting fired up in you to change all of it. I don't have, you don't have nothing to praise the Lord. You got a lot to praise the Lord for. So why don't we do it one more time? Let's just praise the Lord for His goodness to us, Lord. You've been so good to us. Oh, I praise you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that with the Holy Ghost, I can seize every opportunity. I can get a hold, Lord, of what your purpose is for this day. I can get a hold of what you see for this moment. Somebody, oh, somebody give the Lord a good hand clap together. Praise God.